during communion because I was thinking to myself, all the families around the world and or around our church families, at least our church families, I know there's other churches doing the same, that are at home taking communion together as a family. Uh, and the the impact that would make, and and just think, some people that never took communion before may have taken communion with their families today, and so that's an awesome thing. But I just want to say one one other quick thing: don't lose, uh, don't grow weary in doing good. You know, I know it's it's uh, we're in the long haul of this stretch, and I I'm not going to be Dr. Amy Acton or uh, Governor Dewine, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, we are flattening the curve. We are doing what we're supposed to be doing, and I just want to encourage you not to uh, lose, uh, not to lose hope, not to lose faith. Keep moving forward, and don't grow weary in doing good. I know it's so simple to say, "Hey, today is Easter Sunday. I'm going to go spend time with families." Don't do that, please. Uh, spend time with your family that's inside your house. If your family wants to come over, keep them at ten feet distances. Uh, you know, and, and do that. You could do that. Definitely just, just make sure you're keeping separate. I just want to encourage you to keep pressing forward and doing those things. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 15. We're going to be reading, uh, first from, uh, verse 38. You know, we're here, uh, today and it's been a struggle for many people. I can truly say that I've never done Easter in this way. I've never done Easter in Corey's basement. Uh, I've never done a, I've never done an Easter Sunday in Corey's basement, Corey. Uh, so you should you should take honor in that, Corey, because we're the best way to do Easter. Yeah. I didn't have to wake up for. Whew. Yeah, I got to sleep in on Easter. Yeah, okay. Well, I, Corey, as much as I love you and I, lo- I I don't mind your basement, it's not what I want to continue doing. But I understand. All right. Well, I know we've never done Easter this way, and and there's struggle all around us today. Uh, there's struggle around the world today, around our country, and and just a simple fact uh, that yesterday we topped twenty thousand deaths. Uh, that's an amazing number and a, a disheartening number. And yes, I know someone someone out there who is uh, looking at their computer saying, "But we had more people die from the flu." Yeah, you're right. We did have more people die from the flu. You're right. Uh, but not this quickly. Uh, and also, the impact, I was thinking, my wife and I were having this conversation just the other day, the impact that 9-11 made to us, uh, and there was uh, 3,400 something, 3,500 people that passed away during 9-11, and the impact that made for us. Now, to think that that this is, what, uh, six times worse, more than six times worse than that, it's a it's a difficult time that we're living in currently. Everything seems to be up in the air, but yet today is still Resurrection Sunday. We name we may not be able to hug or shake hands or bump elbows or do those things that we would normally do here on on this Sunday, but yet today is still Resurrection Sunday. We may not be able to gather as our families with our loved ones around a, a ham dinner or whatever you might eat on uh, on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, but it's still Resurrection Sunday. We may not be able to go to restaurants and have a set-down meal, but it's still Resurrection Sunday. We may not be able to join together as churches, but it's still Resurrection Sunday. See, all of these things that we're going through change our lives 
but there's one thing that never changes, and that's the resurrection body, resurrected body of Jesus Christ. He does never change. He never changes. That doesn't. There's nothing that anyone can do to take that fact away. That Jesus was resurrected on this great Sunday. Just as the first resurrection was not yet here, as Jesus died on the cross that Friday, when all the joy seemed to be gone, and even the Roman centurions came up to him and said, this man truly was the Son of God. They had killed the one who was supposed to set us free. The joy of the disciples were gone. The joys of the people that followed Jesus, the joy of the people around him that knew him and knew what he was here for is all gone. All of that is gone. But yet, Resurrection Sunday had not yet come for them, but it would come. Today, I feel like in some ways we are experiencing a a little taste of what the disciples might have tasted that day. The disappointment of not being able to be together, the, the fear of the unknown, the fear of what's going to come next, the fear of will the Roman soldiers come and carry us out and kill us? Will the Roman soldiers come and, and beat us and, and scourge us and, and, and persecute us? I feel in some ways that this virus has made us feel very much like we are in that place. Are we next? Does Corey have the have the corona? Uh, you know, does someone else have? No, he doesn't have it. I know that because I prayed the blood of Christ over him and, and his house. But but I, I you know that that fear that unknown the fear of the unknown. What's going to happen next? What's what's going on? You know where where is this going? All of these fears are the same thing. But see, here's the joy in all of this. The joy is that we can be fearful, but the joy is that Jesus Christ is risen. And I want to hear all of you in your home say, he is risen indeed, because Jesus Christ is resurrected. He is no longer in that grave, and that gives us great hope. Even though the hope may seem to be gone, even though the hope of the world around us and the economy and the, the, the health issue that we're going through and all those things that we're suffering through today seem to be difficult, there is something that has never changed and never will change, and that is Jesus. Jesus is with us. One of my most favorite parts of Resurrection Sunday and this whole resurrection story is a very small yet very powerful moment that happened as Jesus died on the cross. And I'll get I'll connect the dots here in a moment, but if if you have your Bibles, we're going to read from Mark chapter 15. It's just one real quick uh uh sentence here. But this is one of my most favorite parts of this story of Resurrection Sunday. It is the fact that Jesus, it's uh, Mark 15, verse 38. And, and it says, uh, And the curtain of the temple was, t- was torn in two from top to bottom. See, in, in Scripture, in some of, the, uh, some of the older translations, if you're really old, like Pastor Chaz, and you still use the New King James Version, uh, that's, that's a joke, Pastor Chaz. We love you. <laughs> but uh no some of the old some of the translations different trans- translations will say veil they tore the veil in two from from top to bottom and i want to talk about that for a moment because i think that's very important and i want to i want to explain to you what the torn veil in the temple means for you and i today on this resurrection sunday but before we do let's pause and pray and ask the lord to just bless our time and give us wisdom to grasp what he wants to say to us so will you pray with me please father we thank you for this day 
We thank you for the opportunity that we can share in our homes across this great world, that we can be together, that we can spend this time together as family celebrating you and what you did on the cross. Father, this time may be different. This time may be, we may have difficulties. We may seem like all hope is gone. We may uh, be struggling health-wise, but the most important fact is that Resurrection Sunday is still Resurrection Sunday because you are not there. You were raised from the dead. You overcame death to set us free. And so, Father, today, there's such a wonderful story that goes along with you being resurrected and what that means. And so, Father, today, I just want to lift that up to you. I want to ask you that you just bless our time today, that you would give us wisdom, that you would speak to the hearts of all those that are listening or who will listen to this, Father. And we ask you that you just bless them now in the name of Jesus as we give this over to you. Father, I pray that my words would not be my own, but they'd truly be your words, Father, and that you would speak to us, help us to learn from you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this story in Mark chapter 15 says, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. See, the story of the veil actually begins way back in the book of Exodus, way back in the Old Testament. If you go all the way back to the book of Exodus, when the Israelites are leaving Egypt, this is, they have left Egypt and they're traveling and, and God wants to be with his people. And he says, so in order for me to be with the people, I have to be in a location that's called the Holy of Holies. This was the inner sanctum, if you will, the inner part of, of the temple. It was separated from the rest of the temple. It was separated from the rest of, 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 of these, the, the building. And you could, you could not go in there. The, the, the inner section, the inner sanctum, if you will, the Holy of Holies was the place where God's spirit resided. It was the place where the Israelites knew God resided in that place. And as they traveled through the desert, they would actually carry this on their, on their shoulders. They had priests that would carry the Holy of Holies with them. But when they built the temple, they put this in the middle of the temple and it was at the center of the temple and it was divided from the rest of the temple by a, a humongous thick veil. It was a curtain that came from the top to the bottom. It was huge. It was very large, just as much larger than your window curtains that you may have in your living room. But this is very thick. Think of the, uh, of the curtain that, that a stage has, but even thicker than that. And it was, it was made and it was royal and it was beautiful. And it was there to separate God, the holy of holies, from the people who were unholy. See, for thousands of years, there was only one person that could enter into that Holy of Holies. For thousands of years, it was only allowed, only allowed by the high priest to enter into that place. The high priest would spend a, a, a time of cleansing himself and, and cleaning himself and a, a, a rigorous, arduous uh, process to be clean. And he would clean himself. He would cleanse himself. He would sacrifice himself and he would spend time devoting his life to be clean so that he could go into the Holy of Holies and spend time with, with God. This, this process was actually the same process for thousands of years. The high priest would enter into that location only once a year, and that once a year time would what we call, what our Jewish friends would celebrate, is called the Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. It is the day that he would go into that Holy of Holies and offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people. For thousands of years, this process was the same. God was not accessible to anyone except the high priest and this one special time of the year. Okay. 
The people knew that God was there, and they knew that he resided in the Holy of Holies, but there was no access to them. The people had no personal con, uh, contact. They had no personal connection with God. It was only the, the, only the high priest that could enter into that time. It wasn't that God didn't want to be personal with his people. The issue was that a holy God could not reside with unholy people. You have to you have to understand the nature of God. God is a very holy person. God is a sinless uh, God is a sinless God. There is no sin inside of Him. There's nothing evil about Him. There's nothing bad about Him. He is sinless, and so for Him, He has to have a sacrifice. There has to be an, a, a, a a person who is on that same place to to interact with Him. And so the only one that could ever even approach that was the high priest. And oftentimes what they did was tie a rope with a bell around their ankles so that when the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies, if he wasn't cleansed, if he wasn't clean of sin, what would happen oftentimes is that he would find himself falling and dead before the Lord and they would have to pull him out. For years it was that way. There were sacrifices made to a... Uh, for, for the average person to have their sins forgiven, hence giving them the opportunity to have God around them, but not even to be able to enter into the Holy of Holies. That was the case until the day that Jesus came, the day that Jesus came to become our personal Savior. The day that Jesus paid our price was the day all of that ended. The reason why I love this story so much is because God is protected and he's behind this veil and you can't approach him. God is this is God is the God that many people think he actually was. And and that is today there's still many people in our world that think God is just some evil mean creature up in the air that's going to shoot a, a fireball down and and hit them in their behind with a lightning bolt because they've sinned or done something bad. That's what many people thought God was. And in fact in some ways God was that because he was behind this holy of holies. And you couldn't you, he was in the holy holies behind the veil and you couldn't approach him you could serve him you could honor him you could do all those things and you should should have done all of those things but you could never have a personal relationship in the way that the high priest did it was until the day that Jesus came when Jesus pays our price our penalty for our sin when he becomes that natural that 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 uh complete sacrifice for you and I there's something amazing that happens so you can't fully understand and appreciate Easter. You can't fully understand and appreciate Resurrection Sunday until you understand the Jewish Holy of Holies and the separation that they had with that place. See, what does the torn veil mean? The torn veil that happened when Jesus died on the cross is the very fact and the very idea is that Jesus died on the cross. That sacrifice that the high priest would make for us, for all of the average person, that sacrifice that he would make when he went into that place was a sacrifice that Jesus paid. Jesus made that path. The Passover sacrifice that the lamb made at that very first sacrifice when the, when the head of the lamb was cut. I'm sorry for being brutal, but that's what happens. And, and the blood was shed and put on the doorpost when that sacrifice was made and that, that the, the, um, 
the the death spirit passed over the houses of the Israelites, what happens is that Jesus pays that same price. He pays that price on the cross. He is then pierced in the side and his blood flows not only from the crown of thorns on his hand, on his head and his hands and feet where the nails had pierced through him, but also in the side where they had pierced him. That blood that flows from there is the sacrifice that allows the death angel to pass over us, giving us eternity in heaven with him. See, the torn veil that happened right after Jesus died on that cross. Scripture says that there was a, there was a great shaking and, and there was an earthquake. And, and in the middle of the day, the sky turned dark. And it was as all of heaven was mourning this loss of Jesus, a perfect sacrifice for us. But when this happened, the veil was torn. And when that veil was torn in half, when that veil separated, it wasn't just a parting of the veil. See, it's really interesting because you could actually have parted the veil. That's what the the high priests used to do. They used to part the veil and go in and under the veil into the Holy of Holies. Well, this was not any of this. What happened was that the veil actually was torn in two. It was separated completely. And there was no one there tearing it. It happened naturally on its own. But there's a message there in that torn veil that we have to understand, especially on this Resurrection Sunday. That torn veil means that God is no longer hidden from us. God is no longer behind a veil that only one person on one day of the year could come in and be and spend time with. God has been removed from the Holy of Holies and is now free for all of us to spend time with and to interact with because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and I. Jesus crosses, uh, Jesus cross, Jesus Christ Death on the cross makes it available for that veil to be torn and it sets his father free into the life of all of us that now our God, the God that we couldn't get to, the God that we couldn't attain to is now a personal God who lives with us, who walks with us, who talks with us, who is there with you and I at all times. And that's an amazing thing, an excitement that should excite. I wish I was at your homes right now because I hope you're at your home saying amen. If you're on Facebook, go ahead and write amen because that's an amazing thing. If you're a Christian today, you have a personal Savior who walks with you because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross and how that veil was torn in two. If you're a Christian today and you're walking with him, what that means is that even though we face this virus and all this death that is around us and all of these things that are going on, we not walk. we don't walk alone. We walk with Jesus. We walk with a God who is with us. He has become a personal God because of that veil being torn in two because of the sacrifice. The Passover lamb, the perfect lamb who died on the cross for us, made it available for God to be set free and to come into the lives, into our lives. The torn veil meant that God was now amongst us and he could reside with us and through us through the sacrifice that Jesus did for us. See, we no longer had to live through the high priest. Instead, we are free to approach our God ourselves. He paid the price and made it possible for us to have a personal relationship with our God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, if you will, please. Matthew 28, verse 5. And it says, But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen, as he said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going quickly, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see, there you will see him. 
See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and they and there they will see me. See, on that day that Jesus was was resurrected, the veil actually tore on Friday. This is an amazing story, and you have to understand. The veil tore when Jesus died on that cross. But it isn't until two days later on Resurrection Sunday that we see Jesus now alive and walking and, and speaking to the ladies that had come down to there. See, the, the most interesting thing about this story is that the Saturday between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday was actually Sabbath day, which meant the ladies couldn't go to the tomb. They couldn't do those things. They couldn't prepare him for his, his burial because it was Sabbath day. They, were, they weren't allowed to do work on that day. That was a day that they were supposed to rest. So there's this pause in between the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ on that Sunday. But the veil, the interesting story here is the veil was torn on Friday, which means God was set free on Friday. God was set free from that holy of holies, if you will. That God, I, I mean, you have to understand, theologically speaking here, God is always free. He's always been in control. He's always everywhere. But in the view of the Jewish people, when he's in that holy of holies, he has been set free when that veil was torn. On that day that Jesus was resurrected, it was an amazing day. Here was God who uh, came to earth to be with us, to be our payment. Yet to those that were there that day, they watched him die. All hope seemed to be lost. I can't help but make comparisons to today and the hope that we sometimes feel like we're losing around us and that we're going through. Yet Jesus was there. And see, here's the most, here's the interesting thing that I want to share with you. The reason why Jesus, uh, the, the resurrected body of Christ means so much is first of all, there's no other God that was resurrected from the dead. There's no one else that can say, I have been resurrected from the dead. There's no one else that can say, I have raised and come forth from that grave. Only Jesus can say that. But what's even more important is this, is the disciples watched him die on the cross on Friday. They go through Saturday. Saturday is a is a mourning time. They're mourning the body, the loss of, of Christ. They've put him in the tomb. They've they've covered the tomb with a stone and they're they're mourning that process. They're going through all of that. All hope seems to be lost. All joy seems to be gone. And then what happens on Sunday morning is that Jesus is alive. And Jesus comes forth and he comes forth from that grave and he brings back all that hope. See, it wasn't just a simple fact that the the veil was torn. I don't even know. The scripture doesn't tell us that that the the disciples knew that the veil was torn. They didn't know that. They might not have even realized that the veil was torn. But what's important is that Jesus comes to his disciples to say, I am alive. You're not alone. You're not alone in all of this. I am with you and I'm here with you. It's just an amazing fact to think that Jesus is alive and he's with us. Jesus is walking with us. He's not dead. He's not in the grave. He's not decaying. He's not bones and ashes and all of those things. He is alive and he's very well alive walking with you and I today. See, the act of the veil being torn and the resurrection of Jesus together means that we will never be alone. We have our God in heaven who wants to have a relationship with us. He wanted so much to have that relationship with you and I, to have that personal interaction with you and I, that he made it possible by sending his only son to this earth to die on the cross for you and I. He didn't want the separation. He didn't want the veil between us. He wanted to have a relationship with you and I. And so he did that through his son, 
Jesus Christ. He is no longer hidden. He is now alive and walks with us and loves us. A resurrected Jesus means that we will never be alone, that the price to be with God has been paid. It means that we have a personal Savior who wants to be with us. And see, this is really important, and this is the message I want you to, to receive here on, on uh, pass, uh, um, Passover Sunday, I almost said, <laughs> Resurrection Sunday. This is the message I want you to receive, and the message is that you are not alone. You may feel alone in your room, in your bedroom, or in your house, or your living room, or your kitchen, or wherever you're at. You may feel alone. You may feel separated from the rest of the world, but you're not. Because all of us in this very room, in, in Corey's basement here, know the Lord Jesus Christ. We have him. And so we have him inside of us. So do you, hopefully. Hopefully, as you're listening to us uh, and, 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 and hearing these words, you have given your life to Jesus Christ, meaning that you have a personal relationship with him. And so we have a God who, even though we're separated, even though there's social distancing, sorry, Corey, I'm too close to you, but even though there's social distancing going on, there's still a God who connects all of us. We are connected through Jesus Christ. And so we can't lose hope. We can't lose this. We can't have this pain and the suffering and allow it to overcome us. We have to understand that Jesus is the one who connects all of us together. Jesus is the one who brings us together. And it's because of the price that he paid on the cross for us. See, today, God still wants to be with you. God still wants to be with you. He still has made the way. The way that he made 2,000 years ago through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is still available to you and I today. He made it possible for you and I to come to him, to be with him. Jesus made that way possible for us. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But he is the way that makes it possible for us to have a connection with each other, even though we're separated because we have Jesus Christ with us. Now, I want to—I I just want to make sure that you understand something here. All of this is possible because of what Jesus did. All of this is possible because he paid that price. But you have to accept the price that he paid for you. You have to accept those things that he has done for you on that cross. The price was paid, but the question really is, have you accepted that price? Have you accepted that payment for your sins? The truth is that today there is nothing that stands in the way with us having a relationship with our personal Savior, with our personal God. I'm not talking about Depeche Mode and doing the the 80s song, Personal Jesus. I'm talking about a true personal Jesus who wants to be with you. I'm not going to sing any songs. Don't worry, it's Easter Sunday. I'm not going to sing that song or do a dance either. But the truth of the matter is there's nothing that stands in our way from having that personal relationship, that personal Savior who, who wants to walk with you, who wants to talk with you, who wants to be with you. There's nothing that stands in the way except for you. You're the only one that keeps yourself from having a relationship with Jesus. And so as I stare in the back of Corey's phone, which is really weird, I'd rather be staring in the face of all of you today. I just want to tell you that it is you that keeps yourself from having a relationship with God. Those may be tough words to hear, but the truth of the matter is, is that God has done everything possible for us to have a relationship with him. He has torn the veil. He's no longer in the Holy of Holies. He's everywhere. He has paid the price of the sacrifice through his son, Jesus Christ on the cross so that we us, unholy people, people who sin, people who are dirty and, and stained with sin can be made clean so we can stand before a holy God, holy ourselves, not because of anything that we have done, not because of anything we've said, but because of what Jesus Christ did for you and I. 
See, today, we are the ones that keep ourselves from him. Before the sacrifice that Jesus made, it was a sacrifice of a goat or a lamb or or cattle or something like that that would have your sins forgiven. But even that, even that sacrifice wasn't good enough to have yourself be able to enter into that place. That is why Jesus had to come to this earth. A perfect, spotless lamb, a perfect, spotless, sinless Jesus who came to this earth, who had no sin on him at all, who died on the cross for you and I, but also was resurrected on Sunday a few days later because he wants to be with you. God wants to have a personal relationship with you. God wants to draw unto you and be with you during good times and during bad times, during times of virus and times of no virus. God wants to be with you. It's not just today on Easter Sunday that God wants to be with you. He wants to be with you on the Monday after Easter. He wants to be with you 10 days after Easter, 20 days after Easter, 365 days. Well, I guess that would be Easter again, wouldn't it? He wants to be with you every single day. What stops us is us. Many of you here today that are listening and hearing me speak and hearing me say these words have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I want to just say, uh, continue pressing on into him. Seek him even more. God is a personal God. He has not gone away. Just because COVID-19 is here, God doesn't know the meaning of personal, well, I'm sure he does know the meaning of personal, uh, what is that, social distancing. But God is a God who wants to reside inside of you. There's no virus, no smell, (laughs) nothing that can keep Jesus away, God away from being with you. It's just us who cause that. It's just us who keep us separated from him. Simply today, what I want to ask you to do is if you're listening to us today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never said, Lord, thank you for the price that you paid on the cross to make me from an unholy person who can't come to know or know our God, our God the Father, who can't come into his sight because I'm an unholy person. I've never accepted that payment of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me that makes me from unholy to holy where I can stand before him. If you've never done that before, may today be this day that you give your life to him. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and I want to pray with you, and I'm going to ask you to just seek him. On Resurrection Sunday, God is alive, and he wants to be alive inside of you. And so whether you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 50 years, or you've never been a Christian before, then what I want you to do is just seek Christ in a new way today, to understand that he is alive and he's walking with you. You're never alone. You're never in your own home without anyone because he's with you. God promises to always be with us and to never forsake us. He carries us when we need to be carried. He walks with us when we need to be walked. He guides us where we need to be guided. He needs to, He directs you where you need to be directed. He's with you today. And so what I want to do is if you're listening to us today and you've never given your life to Christ today, then will you please do it today? Will today be that day where you say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me? And you can do that simply by just doing this. If you bow your eye or bow your eyes, bow your head, close your eyes, bow your head and just say, Lord, thank you for what you did on the cross for me. Thank you for being my sacrifice. Thank you for sacrificing your life for me on that cross and paying my penalty my debt that I owed. Come into my heart and be my king, be my savior. And may I share eternity with you and your father in heaven because of what you've done. With those words, when you say those words, 
when you proclaim those things, when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that what Jesus did on the cross, you are saved. And I want to just say congratulations and welcome to heaven if that's the first time you've ever said that. I just want to say welcome to heaven. Yeah, welcome to the family of God. We welcome you and we will celebrate with you today. If you're here today and you've given your life to Christ before, but you feel alone, you feel fearful because of what's going on around you, may I tell you that you're not alone? I want to pray for you for a moment and just ask you that you have a newfound vision, a newfound reality of understanding that Jesus is walking with you. He walks with you. He can give you that wisdom that you need. He'll speak to you. He'll talk with you. Um, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will come into your life and he will direct you and guide you in this place. All you have to do is accept him and, and ask him and just be with him. And so don't be afraid with what you face today. Yes, we live in fearful times. Yes, there are some crazy things going on. This is crazy, uh, craziness in the times that we live in. But let's not be fearful because we live with God and he is alive. It's still Resurrection Sunday. Jesus is not in the grave. He is with us. And so we need to think that. Let's pause for a moment and just pray and ask the Lord to walk with those. Father, we just thank you. We glorify you, Father. We come to you today thanking you for this wonderful sacrifice that you made on the cross for me and us and all of us that are listening, Father. Thank you so much for what you've done for us and how you've given your life to us. We thank you so much for all the things that you are doing, that you have done, and that you will do for us. Lord, we pray today against a spirit of fear. We pray against a spirit of hopelessness. We pray against a spirit of, of, uh, of, of anything uh, that comes against us in this place. In fact, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I proclaim hope and peace and joy over every person listening. May they hear and know that Jesus is alive. He's not in the grave. He is alive and he walks with you. He walks with us. And so, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you just give us this newfound joy, this newfound peace that can walk with us, that as we go from place to place, as we as we stay in our homes and we listen to the governor and the government and the leaders of our country as a, uh, as a struggle with what to do next and how to make us safe, Father, I pray that we listen to that, but we won't lose hope. We won't lose fear because we have you with us. You're not a God of fear. You're a God of love, a God of peace, a God of joy. And so, Father, this day, today, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, Father, may we understand that you're not in that grave. You never have been. You were in that grave for one day and one day only. And you came forth on Resurrection Sunday and you walk with us today, that we serve a God who is alive. You surely are alive, Father, today. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We glorify you, Father, for that. We ask you that you just walk with us in this place. Father, I want to speak against fear and I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to pray for an end to this COVID-19, this coronavirus, Father. May you come, Father. May you receive all glory, honor, and praise. Lord, there are places around this country that even during this coronavirus are trying to stop churches from meeting together and doing uh, drive-in churches, Father. I just want to come against that. May you give us churches wisdom, Father, to be smart, but help us, Father, to walk in your spirit, to walk in what you give to us. Lord, we pray for our leaders, we pray for our government, we pray for our president, our vice president, all the doctors and nurses, and those that are, are fighting this virus for us. Help us to do our part, Father. 
Help us to be guided by you, to share that we have the hope of Jesus Christ. Father, I want to give and ask right now in the name of Jesus that you give every single person listening to this an opportunity to go and share your goodness, your glory, your, uh, how you are alive with those around them today. May this day, Easter Sunday, be a day where many come to know you because you are truly alive, Father. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. I pray and just give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen and amen. Any questions coming in? No? Okay. Well, listen, church, we love you. We really wish we could be with you today. We wish we could be spending time with you and and, uh, enjoying this Resurrection Sunday with you. I pray that as you go forth from this video and you're uh, spending time with your family today, whatever that might include for you, whatever that celebration means for you, that you take time to just thank and know and remember that Jesus is alive and that the veil is torn and that you have a God who wants to be personal, who wants to be with you, who wants to guide you, who wants to direct you, who wants to have you follow him and who will lead you. I pray that you have that opportunity, not only for yourself, but to share that with others around you, to share that truth and glory and love of what Jesus brings. I pronounce a blessing over all of those that are listening. May you receive the blessing that God has for you, this Easter blessing. May you provide for them, Lord, all that they need. Lord, uh, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would meet the needs of those people that are hearing and are listening right now. I know many are out of work right now, Father. Many are struggling financially. And so, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you just bless them with all the things that they need, Father. Give them health where they need health. Give them finances where they need finances, Father. We ask you, Lord, to just be glorified, honored, and praised through everything that we do. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. We bless those that are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. We'll be praying for you all. Hope to be seeing you all uh, over the next uh, drive-by time frame. So uh, be looking for some Easter band. Bandits? Yeah, bandits. Is that right? Bandits? I think Easter bandits uh, to be coming by Resurrection Sunday Joy Givers. I think that's what we should call ourselves. Uh, but but we'll be coming by. So love you guys all. Have a great Easter. God bless you all. And uh, be paying attention. As I said, we'll be making some uh, exciting announcements soon about uh, our church here. Uh, but be blessed. See you on Tuesday morning uh, for Bible study at 9 o'clock if you want to join us. Tuesday night for prayer or Wednesday night for home group. And uh, if you have any questions or any problems, reach out to us, call us, or contact us through Facebook. Love you. God bless you all, and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.